Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Additionally, today we're going to start talking to you about the emotions. And how many of you have emotions? I didn't see all the hands go up. I have a couple definitions. Definitions are fun. If you saw the commotion earlier, it was nothing spectacular. Just the bass got a little bit boom and it knocked the cup over and, you know, water and glass everywhere. It was great. Ah, light affliction. Emotion. Webster's, a conscious mental reaction such as anger or fear subjectively experienced as strong feeling usually directed toward a specific object and typically accompanied by physiological and behavioral changes in the body. Look at that. I found an error in spelling in Webster's Dictionary. Behavioral in U.S. versus Canada, they add a U. Another definition, a psychological state that arises spontaneously rather than through conscious effort and is sometimes accompanied by physiological changes, a feeling. And here's one more. Emotion is the part of a person's character that consists of their feelings as opposed to their thoughts. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are we the type of church that you can walk into and share your struggles with others, and you don't feel fear, repercussion, rejection, or judgment. We're shooting for that. Hopefully that's where we're going. In your personal life, when people share their struggle with you, are you able to empathize without judgment or rejection? Can everyone be authentic here? Can we all be real? Or do you feel that you can't be real with others because they might not accept you for who you are? Do you or I make people feel spiritually deficient because they share their struggles with us? I'm just asking questions. Hey, look, here I'll be real. I'm teaching on emotions today. Guess what happened in my house this weekend with five women? I think we invented a few emotions this weekend. They're not even on the radar yet, but we just, they are now. In Genesis 1.27, the Bible tells us that God made all of us in his image and likeness. So we were made to be image bearers. You've probably heard that language a few times. But I want you to understand something. God was triune in nature, Father, Son, Spirit. I'm not going to go into all the aspects of the Trinity today. But you are a threefold being. You are a spirit. You have your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in your earth suit, your body. There's three parts to you. And you know, in my 38 years as a born-again believer maybe 39 now. Yeah, it's past May. Almost this week, goodness. 39 years. 
I've discovered something. There's a lot of churches out there that focus only on the spiritual aspect of humanity, but they ignore the emotional aspect and the natural man. But if the three are not functioning in harmony, you're going to have a problem. How many know what I'm talking about? If you're not feeling well, if you're feeling sick, you know, the full works, the fever, the aches, the vomiting, the chills, the lack of energy, the tiredness. Has anyone ever had that? Doesn't it motivate you to want to come to church and share the love with everyone else? I mean, does it affect your ability to come and sit and receive the ministry of the word? So what happens to us all is there's three parts to us, and we have to remember that we have to focus on all three parts of us to be healthy. Now, there's a man named Dr. Carlson, and I'm going to quote him directly. He says, from a research perspective, the emerging answer to what causes emotional illness involves three components. Nature, one's biological, chemical, and genetic makeup, Nurture, environment, circumstances, teachings, and personal choice, which can but does not necessarily include sinful choices. Not uncommonly, the cause is a combination of these three. So what he's saying is, we all have these emotional hiccups. We all have these emotional moments. Sometimes it even, they call it mental illness. But what happens is we have to have an understanding there's three root causes. Oftentimes in churches, when someone comes up with a mental illness or an emotional challenge, we point the finger at them and say, what secret sin did you not confess to Jesus this week? And confess it and your sin will go away. Victoria's my friend, it's okay. (laughs) But this is what we do. And I don't think that's right. I think we're actually a little bit remiss when we do that. And I want to try to lay a foundation of this because as broken image bearers who are trying to take on the nature and the character of Christ, there's three parts to us. And what we, we have to keep in mind is when the law of sin and death was released in the earth, do you remember the garden? Adam was there, Eve was there, the serpent was there. You see pictures of her grabbing an apple off a tree. I highly doubt it was an apple, but who cares? Okay. The fall, the law of sin and death was released when sin entered the earth. And at that point, something happened. Sin came in and separated us from the Creator. We needed a Savior. At that point, the body began to age and break down and die. Death entered. Sickness and disease entered. So if the natural realm was affected by the fall... The spiritual realm was affected by the fall. Why do we think the emotional realm is not affected by the fall? Emotionally, our minds started drifting away from the Creator. We started drifting away from a state of health and wholeness to a state of illness. Are we doing okay? Am I laying a foundation for this? How many have happy emotions right now? How many want to go to sleep? I'll try to keep you awake. 
I want to point out to you, though, sometimes people don't have a frame of reference or they don't, they don't have the ability, the capacity to gain understanding of spiritual concepts. Let me explain it to you this way. I think I did this at the first service. If I was to say the alphabet to all of you, what's the alphabet in English? A. Okay, you guys are good, right? A, B, C, D, E, you know, we're doing okay? Now, for some people, it's very normal to say A, B, C, D, E, because that's how our brain is functioning and working right now, and we're processing information that way. But do you know for some people, it's more like Q, D, T, P, Z, A, X, Y. Are you seeing this? It's not even backwards. It just doesn't fall into the same sequence. So we have to help them to have the understanding or the capacity to sequence it properly before we can start teaching them some of the other concepts. So if someone is in a state of mental distress or challenge, what we have to do is we have to sometimes use some of the other tools. I told you there was three areas that people get attacked in. One was chemical. Sometimes you don't have enough of a chemical in your system or your hormones are out of balance or your body's not functioning as it should. There's doctors that can help bring that into balance or homeostasis, which will allow you to function in the normal spectrum, which gives you the ability to process the spiritual truths and apply them to your life. But when you're not functioning within that, I'll call it normal spectrum, it's going to create a hard time for you to grasp some of the other concepts that are there. Or nurture, if you're in the wrong environment, you know, some of my friends that stay at the center back there and they're getting freedom from addiction, one of the greatest challenges for them is not learning the concept or gaining the tools. It's the environment that they go into when they walk out the doors. Because if you walk back into the wrong environment, sometimes you can get dragged right back to where you were very quickly. just like some of you, because you're going to go from a nice, happy environment here at church today, and you have to go back home to what environment that you have there. Some of you are more excited about that than others. <laughs> I have one friend, I live by myself. Life is awesome. <laughs> Okay, some people, they get capped in their emotions, okay? They put a lid on their emotions and they try not to experience. They're not quite the Stoics, I'll get to them. But they just, they try to stuff all their emotions down. Has anyone ever done that? Some of you are probably doing that today. Oh man, my wife came. Hi Mary. Hi beautiful wife. See, I got away with this at first service because she was working somewhere else in another meeting, but now she's here, so I can get in lots of trouble for this. But as I was going through this in first service, this joke actually became a very good illustration for what I want to share. So you have to forgive me. It's not a Mary-approved joke, and please don't send me hate mail, okay? I know it's edgy.
So for all you emotionally capped people, this is a good picture. Okay? Because when you uncap your emotions, man, your emotions go crazy. They're all over the place. You're up, you're down. But watch. There was a farmer that wanted to win at the fair for the largest pig. So he corked his pig so nothing could come out. Long story short, he won the fair. But the time came that they had to uncork un the pig. <laughs> Nobody volunteered for that job. So they trained a monkey <laughs> to walk up and uncork the pig. And, and the press, you know, of course, they caught wind of this, so this one guy wanted to video this for... <laughs> so they went in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere, and boy, that guy didn't have to fertilize his field that year. And the day came, and the monkey walked up and grabbed the cork and pulled it out. And of course, you all know what happened. Manure flew everywhere. In fact, the press that thought he was far enough away to record this for, you know, whatever reason, he um, was totally covered in manure, rolling around in it, laughing. And nobody could understand why he was rolling around in the manure laughing. So when he finally caught his breath and they asked him, what is so funny, sir? He said, all I saw... All I saw was the monkey trying to put the cork back in. <laughs> now, please be patient with me, I know. Not my normal church joke. But you got to understand something. If you're capped emotional and you've been capped for a long time, there's a lot of junk in there. And when you pull the lid off, it all comes out. And not at the most convenient time. You'll be standing in a store looking at some dolls and all of a sudden you'll be weeping. Or you'll be going to fill up with gas and you'll be so angry at the gas pump because it's not, like, your emotions go all over the place when you uncap. But it's not good to keep that all pent up inside. In Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. You know, if we can come to Jesus and lay down our emotions, there's rest there and there's a light burden there. He doesn't say it's a heavy burden and you're going to be stressed. Okay? So we have to come to the place where we take our emotions and we lay them down and give them to Jesus. There's an exchange that takes place. I think a lot of people try to exchange their emotions. They lay them down, but then they pick them back up again when they walk away from the cross. Okay? In 1 Peter 5, 7... Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. We have to come to the place where we can give them to God. But what I want you to understand is, we have a spiritual solution to some of the emotional challenges, but it may not be a full solution. Are you saying that the gospel doesn't have all the information we need? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, sometimes people need to get some specialized counsel and training in an area to get them to the place where they can apply the Word of God to their life. 
Sometimes people have to bring their brain function into a different spectrum so that they can grasp the information that they're being given. I told you there's three root causes, okay? One is chemical, your natural, genetic. One is nurture, your environment. And the third one has to do with the choices we make, okay? Now, in Galatians 5, we see it's really easy to make these connections between the spirit-led behavior and the flesh-led behavior. And there's a great contrast there, and I've talked about that on numerous occasions because it's fun to preach. The works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit, okay? Spirit-led life, which we'll come back to, versus flesh-led life. But what happens is, and we have to have an understanding, that this application of the Word of God in the area of our emotions is so that we can find freedom. We need to go to the place of freedom. Now, there's others, I told you I'd come back to this, I'll go back to it now. Some people cap their emotions, and then there's others that feel like when you're mature, you're not allowed to have emotion. The Stoics is, is who they are. They believe that you're not allowed to experience passion or joy or grief. would be a good way to explain a Stoic. And about 300 years before the time Christ came, the Stoic philosophers kind of saturated the culture with this concept of mature people don't experience emotion. And then what happened is, as we were forming our character of God, doctrine of God, doctrine of man, somewhere in there, some of that culture mixed in, and there's some theologians today that try to transpose that onto God and say, well, God doesn't have any emotion. And they take all the verses that I'm going to read for you in a minute, and basically they explain them this way. Well, God had to relate to humans, even though he transcends us and has no relation with us, is how they explain it. So everything he does is anthropomorphic. Or they give this God or this thing human expression so that we can relate to him. So theologians in some camps will take these human expressions that God has and they kind of try to explain them as just God trying to relate to humans. There's actually a whole doctrine on this. They call it the impassibility of God. So if you're read in your theology, there's the internal and the external and the sensational. But you know what? I don't want to get into all that right now. Because I totally think that they're out to lunch. <laughs> I love them, but I think they're out to lunch. I want to read some verses to you. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Genesis 6.6. 6. You can also translate it grieved. Psalms 7.11. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. Psalms 11.5. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. Okay, I've done three. We've got grief, anger, hatred. Let's go to some happy emotions. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. Psalms 37.13. Now God's laughing. In this one, I think most of you would know. In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so love. He loves us. Love is also an emotion that God has given us. Right? Literally, 
reading these verses seems to me to be the most plausible explanation. I see no evidence anywhere that would lead us to believe that God does not have emotions and does not want to relate with humans. He doesn't have to transcend emotion. I think that these attributes of his character. Now, how many of you know that when Jesus was here, he got angry? Yes. He did. Here's the scenario. There was a temple, and the people had to go do sacrifices, but the poor people didn't have their own livestock, so they had to bring in money and buy livestock from some of the other people. But somewhere along the way, the religious leader said, well, the Roman money is impure and unholy, so we don't want to buy God's sacrifice with unholy money. So they had to go to the exchange table where they ripped them off for a percentage, and they had to buy the temple coins so that they could go and buy the livestock with the holy money. Okay, I don't have any such convictions, man. If you want to give me money that you won through whatever purposes, I don't care. <laughs> we'll take it. A little bit of a joke there, but a huge debate in the body. <laughs> huge debate in the body of Christ. But I don't want to go there now. Okay, so Jesus got angry with them for ripping off the poor, and he walked in, and what did he do? He overturned their tables. And he grabbed a whip and he drove them out. Righteous anger. Did he sin? I don't think so. I think it was righteously inspired anger, and he operated in it within the context of what he was supposed to. Now, my wife over here, when we talk, she would tell you that more Christians need to get a little bit of righteous anger. Because clearly people aren't fed up enough with what's happening sometimes. Not fed up enough to take action. Romans 12. And so, chapter uh, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we see in this verse here that God will change the way that we think, okay? But you have to let God change you. Now, this might sound really crazy to you, but I'm telling you that there are some people that don't have the capacity to understand what that looks like. They don't have the emotional ability to understand what it looks like to allow God to change them. So we have to help them get to a place where they can allow God to change them. Everyone hear me say that? Without judgment or rejection. Without judgment or rejection. Because we're the church. We don't want to shoot our wounded. We want to help people heal. Has anyone ever gone to the doctor? And then the doctor had a conversation with you like this. Well, first we're going to do this. And then once this is completed, then we're going to go over here and we're going to fix this. Has anyone ever had a conversation like that? Some of you have. One lady said yesterday. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. How many know that, that you have to do A and get that working properly before you can even try to fix B? 
emotionally, we're no different. Sometimes we have to fix A before we can go over and deal with B. Just for information, there was a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Does anyone remember him? He was alive long before our time, but some of you might have read some of his writings. He was known as a, a fantastic, powerful preacher. And a lot of his sermons are actually recorded because he was the preacher of his day. And, and Charles Spurgeon, every year, he was out of the pulpit two to three months because of depression. 25% of the time, he couldn't even go preach on a Sunday morning because he was so depressed. Didn't know that, did you? If you've known me a long time, you've probably come across this verse of Ecclesiastics chapter 3. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. Man, if we could just get that one. World peace would be accomplished if we could just learn there's a time to speak and a time to be quiet. <laughs> a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do people get for their hard work? And he goes on, he says, God has placed eternity in our heart. And we need to learn to be happy and enjoy life. But if we don't frame life through the lens of eternity, we're going to have a hard time finding the happiness that God wants for us because we're going to be too focused on whatever's right in front of our face. But eternity's been placed inside of our heart. I want to move on. Beg, uh, he wrote a book, What Angels Wish They Know, and he makes this statement. We should not be surprised that when a society denies the reality of the God of creation, it is filled with individuals who do not know who they are and cannot explain why they do what they do. When you take the creator out of the equation and the moral lawgiver out of the equation, it's no wonder people are so confused. It's no wonder. On that note, when I'm talking about authors and books, there's a man named Peter Scazzaro. He wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Personally, I think it's a read for every Christian. Every Christian should read this book. I know at first service we had a few copies in the bookstore. Are they all gone, Kier? One, one left. So you can do a mad dash to the bookstore. That competitive spirit comes out and you throw people out of the way. And if you get there first, you can have it. Otherwise, you're going to have to put your name on a list and they'll order them for you. And then you can pick them up next week. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. But see, he talks about these, these eight tools that he gives you to become healthy emotionally and mature. He talks about things like silence. How many of you love silence? How many of you get to experience silence ever? How about assumption? That really kills communication, doesn't it, when you assume what someone else is thinking, or what they're going to say, or what their motive is. Truth. We have to be honest with ourselves. Family history, your family of origin, man, that's going to affect you emotionally. 
So there's some concepts that he talks about in this book. My favorite concept that he talks about in this book is when he starts talking about the dark night of the soul. And you go through these dark seasons in life where you feel like you just keep hitting the wall and you can't push through. I believe he's given some good insight in there, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to read the book. Back to RJ now. It's going to be really hard for us as a church to fulfill the Great Commission if we can't follow the Great Commandment. If we can't love God and then each other, we're never going to take the love of God and share it with others. And the truth is, it's the love we have for one another that is the testimony to the world that we're Christians. How do you treat the people sitting across from you? How do you treat your fellow Christians? How do you treat your neighbors? See, if love is the motivating force for what we do because the character of Christ and the nature of Christ is present in our life, then that changes the way that we interact with people. And we don't do the things we want to do, the things we, we do the things that are right. No, yeah, I'll, I'll speak the truth in love just like everyone else, but love has to be the motivation because until we get the great commandment down, love God, love each other, nobody wants what we have anyway. If you're not operating in love, that's not attractive to the world. They've got disunity and lack of peace and lack of love anyway. Why would they be attracted to that in the church? Just a thought. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples, John 13, 35. In Christendom as a whole, across the globe, there's a lot of people that are not disciples of Christ. They call themselves Christian, but they don't live a Christian life. And there's a great disconnect there. I mean, I can call myself a Maple Leafs fan. But I'm not. I can call myself a Lions fan, and I'm ashamed. <laughs> See, you got to understand, it's not what people call themselves that determines who they are. How are they living their life? When the rubber meets the road, are they making an effort to take on the nature and the character of Christ? Are they trying to operate in love? I tell people this all the time, and sometimes it goes over better than others, but the truth is, you can go by how you feel right now, or you can go by what you know is truth. How many you know your feelings can mislead you? And sometimes they lead you down a very dark and dangerous path. <laughs> Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God, 
the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're to be Spirit-led. In your life, do you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you or do you try to tell the Holy Spirit how he's supposed to serve you? You see, we are supposed to pray and listen. We pray and we obey. And as you learn to obey God, that's when things start turning around. So when we're dealing with this emotional realm over the next few weeks, we're going to have a bunch of standalone messages about some of the different emotions that we experience. I want you to understand foundationally, if it's a negative emotion, we take it to the cross and we process it. If it's a positive emotion, that's great. But like there's times for certain things. You know, if everybody's weeping and grieving, you don't walk in and start laughing and carrying on. There's timing. There's appropriateness for the circumstance or the situation. Then we have to remember, everybody is at a different degree of brokenness. But all of us are broken, so don't think you're any better than anyone else. There's three causes for emotional brokenness that we know of. At least research points that way, according to Dr. Carlson, okay? You've got the natural, genetic, okay? things that you can't really change. You've got the nurture, the environmental things, and you've got the choices that we make every day. You can control your choices. You can take some steps to control your environment if you're of age. But some of the natural things you're going to have a hard time controlling. So it's important that we work together. That means if you need to go talk to someone, then go talk to someone. Sometimes people will come talk to me and I'll look at them and say, you know what, I think you need to go talk to a professional in this matter because they have a little bit of a higher training than I do to resolve this for you. Or it seems to me maybe there's something going on that's outside of my realm of being able to comment on. I have a problem doing that. But people have a problem going to see the professional. But we work together. We're all on the same team trying to get people to a greater state of healthiness. I don't think it takes away from the gospel to say someone has to go talk to a doctor to get their chemicals aligned so that they can apply the Word of God to their life. Because I've talked to dozens of people. I've preached to lots of people, but they don't hear a word I said. Because their mind is not in the right place. Because of the imbalance that's going on within their system. Stand up with me, guys. I want to encourage all of you. Maybe you're in a place where you're feeling a little bit better. Maybe you're in a place of wholeness right now. Make sure that when you come into contact with others who maybe aren't in such a healthy place that you have lots of grace and mercy for them and help lead them over to where you are step by step and day by day. And I've talked about the multi-pronged approach to this. And there's some of you here today you're capped, and you know it. You've stuffed your emotions. You've buried them. You've tried not to experience emotion because in your experience, emotion is pain. Some of you have stuffed stuff so long, you don't even remember what happened to you, but it happened before you had a frame of reference to even understand it. But you buried it. And it's so deep down, but it comes out all the time in anger and resentment and reaction 
and you sit in the presence of God and you say, I don't even know what's going on. Let's be authentic. Let's be real. I have to be ashamed of the struggle we all have in our minds sometimes. If you're feeling discouraged or depressed, if you're having a hard time getting your thoughts straight, if you feel overwhelmed all the time and you just can't go another step, it's an opportunity for you. And I'm going to tell you what I told him at the first service. When we're up here giving a call, sometimes we're flowing in discernment. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. He usually will identify to me the people that need to be down here. And usually there's 20 to 30% that don't. And I feel like if you would just take that step of faith and put your pride aside, allow God to come in, you'll find the freedom that you're looking for. So Father, I thank you that you went to the cross for us. And I thank you that you're willingly sacrificed your life to be broken. Help us, Lord, to walk over to you, to health and to wholeness, mind and body. You went to the cross for our sickness. You went to the cross so that we could have the mind of Christ. Help us to unashamedly pursue you in truth, no matter what the cost. And as we look at emotions over the next little while, Father, I thank you that you're releasing us and releasing from within us the pain of our past so that we can feel again. We don't have to be numb. We don't have to try to suppress. Lord, you're going to bring us to a place of healing and wholeness by your grace and for your glory. Amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week with Jesus.